Welcome to another edition of the Work Life Hub podcast. To find out more and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.eu. Hello and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our new um, Work Life Hub podcast episode, this time with Sarah Sutton-Felt. Before I introduce Sarah, I just wanted to remind you that we're always keen to hear from you. You can either email us at info at worklifehub.eu or you can also connect to us on Twitter and on LinkedIn. We would like to hear uh, which episode you liked most and who was your favorite guest. And if you would like us to invite someone else whom we maybe haven't heard of, or if you have some questions that you would like us to ask our next guests. So thanks a lot again for taking the time. This time we're going to be speaking to Sarah Suttonfeld. She's the founder and CEO of Flex Jobs, which is an award-winning service that helps job seekers find professional opportunities that also offer work flexibility, such as telework or freelance part-time or alternative schedules. And Sarah is also the founder of the initiative One Million for Work Flexibility, so we will be asking her about that too. So, hello, Sarah. Hello, thank you so much for having me. May I just ask you to quickly take us through what led you to found uh, the One Million for Work Flexibility initiative? Absolutely. Uh, When I had started FlexJobs in 2007, it became very clear to me how kind of robust the opportunity was with work flexibility but also how challenging it was to harness all of the energies behind it. Uh, Specifically, in terms of helping to advance and make change surrounding work flexibility in the workplaces, um, there are so many different people who want and need work flexibility from so many different walks of life, uh, from military spouses to retirees to the younger generation of millennials to working parents to people who live in rural areas or people who live in locally depressed economies and are trying to find jobs outside of their uh, local area. Uh, The list of people with health issues, it just, it really goes on and on. And there has been no real way for all of those different audiences to kind of join together and harness that energy and raise their hand, so to speak, in support of work flexibility to show how much true interest and initiative there is behind these these concepts of integrating better flexibilities such as telecommuting or freelance work or part-time or flexible schedules or alternative schedules into the workplace. So this One Million for Work Flexibility was kind of born out of that and trying to give a voice to the people who both want and need work flexibility, but also as a secondary part to really work with the leaders in the, in the field, either the educators, the the educational institutions, the thought think tanks, the um, companies, the organizations, the nonprofits, everyone else who has been working um, to build a coalition who understand that work flexibility benefits us all and to try to raise more awareness for it. Thank you. And the one million, does it stand for one million supporters, one million employers, one million employees? I, I, one million supporters. One million supporters. Now, uh, because you have assembled such a, a really large and broad coalition, 
which people can see on the site for one million work flexibility. W- would you mind explaining to us a little bit? Because we, I mean, we know about the benefits, um, and we know that there are a lot of job seekers looking for this. But what are still the barriers that hold employers back, and and what are maybe some of your um, advocacy points for convincing them? Well, I think that employers. Um you know, historically, work has been done in the office. Uh, it's just, it, it's how it's been done for a long time. And a lot of our models for the workplace are built upon more 20th century models, um, where, at least in the U.S., I'll say, and in a lot of places, there were, you know, a single working parent and then another stay-at-home parent, and that the cost of living in many cases was able to support that. And, and that would be a nice kind of middle-class family and it would be uh, sustainable. In Again, I'm, I'm more of an expert in the American field, but the, in, it, it, that's not sustainable anyway, anymore. And a huge percentage of um, families are ones where both parents are working full-time or are single parents, single parent families with no secondary parent involved. And so the that means that the mass majority of the workforce is also experiencing a stronger pinch on, on balancing work and life. So the, the models of the old workforce don't really work anymore. And in my opinion, need to come more into the 21st century and to look at all of the different workplace technology and mobility technology that we have available to us. And that has already infiltrated our lives um, in, in so many ways. Uh, I, I would argue that most most um, workers nowadays, especially white collar workers, don't utilize or they, they don't do all of their work at their desk in the office. They already are doing five percent of their work, ten percent of their work, maybe up to more, fifty percent of their work, one hundred percent of their work, remotely. And um, it's just something in, for a lot of employers who still haven't shifted the way they manage their workforce, haven't really looked across um, their company for the kind of wanting to evolve with the the changing times, they still are based in this kind of quote-unquote FaceTime value where if they want to see your face in the office, um, they still define productivity by the fact that somebody arrives in the office on time and, and looks the part and then is present all day long and then leaves when they're supposed to leave. And that means they're productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas that's not actually... Uh, a great measure of productivity at all in this day and age. And so I think that employers are just slow to build that trust with people, with their employees off-site, and, uh, and a lot of companies are resisting it. Now, through operating your flex jobs uh, service, where you match uh, job seekers who are looking for flexible work and job offers, what do you can you tell us a little bit about the market for this at least in the US um about you know from the demand and the supply side do do they match or is there still an overwhelming more demand than there are job opportunities um well so first to clarify we don't technic we are not a matching service or a placement service service with flex jobs we have a database and the job seekers actually match themselves um and companies also uh, can search for candidates that match their job openings. In terms of the demand, I think that the demand is um, probably more more prevalent than the opportunity at this point. Uh, but that 
is also there's a lot of shifting grounds with how companies define flexibility and how we um, I think there's just a lot, a lot of lack of awareness and a lot of lack of education on both sides. So a lot of job seekers and kind of people in general, when they think of work flexibility, they most often think of work from home. And work from home, they often then think of low-level or entry-level jobs, or maybe they just think of scams um, because that's unfortunately the actual the, the most dominant uh, type of job listing that you'll see out there if you look up for work from home jobs on a general site, not in flex jobs, of course. Uh, but it's something that there are a wide variety of very, very professional jobs in the flexible market, ones that most people wouldn't expect. And similarly, why I kind of explained it this way is one, jobs that employers might not realize can be flexible. Um, a lot of employers think that work flexibility is all or nothing. You either have it or you don't. And that's not the case at all. And a, because a lot of um, both employers and job seekers associate work from home as the primary kind, they don't realize that work flexibility is also about flexible schedules. It's also about alternative schedules. It can also be about freelance contracts um, and giving a little bit more ownership to the to the worker to, to set their time and hours and projects. So there's a lot of kinds of flexibility that a lot that companies don't realize yet. So again, part of the initiative with One Million is to get that awareness out that work flexibility can happen in in almost any job, and um, and for job seekers that there are jobs with work flexibility in almost every career category, entry level to executive, and you know part time to full time. It's very interesting that you mentioned this because this is also something that we believe in and advocate for here at the Work Life Hub that work flexibility should be for everyone, um, and that. If you analyze carefully, then you will find those aspects in almost any job that you can do from not necessarily in front of that computer or in that office, but you could do it from, from somewhere else or in, in different hours. But um, when we look at, you know, the higher skilled, then there's also a lot of the element of the company culture of the career advancement or the talent advancement. And and would you say that this is also possible if you enter um, in a company on a flexible or part-time schedule, then you would you think that you would have the same opportunities for, for talent advancement? Because I guess that's the fear that if I, if I cut back on the hours or if I'm less visible, then they may be, you know, demoting me or they will circumvent me when it comes to promotion. Well, I don't think that there's one answer for that unfortunately. Um, certainly there are, are going to be roles that might have different requirements. Um, for example, say you come in, you come in as a part-time employee, um, and we, we consider that flexible because for a lot of people, a part-time professional job is exactly what they need to also be able to take care of their, their children or what have you. So, yeah. um, so for example, there might be roles that the company really needs a full-time person for. Um, so in that case, there would, you know, those choices for a restricted schedule might end up limiting your, your, you know, ev evolution into other roles. I, so that's a case that can happen. I also think it's going to really depend on the company culture. And as companies continue to evolve and realize that uh, work flexibility is in their benefits, 
um, that I don't think it will penalize penalize people. Uh, I think that it's kind of also up to the job seeker and the, and the employee, I'm sorry, to the employee. Because I, I do think that some employees, the reason that they're switching, that maybe they're looking for a flexible work is because uh, they, they're switching careers and maybe they don't want as stressful of a, a career as they've had before. And we hear that a lot. Um, so maybe they're looking for something that they can be a little less engaged in. I mean, they can work hard um, and, they, and do the job very, very well, but they are maybe not looking for a career path job that is going to mm-hmm. kind of be the really aggressive kind of stratospheric uh, rise to the top that they might have been thinking of at a different time in their life. So I kind of explain that because I think that there are different profiles of people and what they're looking for in a job. And the people who – I truly believe that the people who want to excel and continue to move forward and prove themselves as a great fit and a great candidate within the company to move up for other roles – those people are going to find their ways, I mean, I think in a lot of senses. And I, going, always saying that within the company culture, if there's not a – I mean, the company culture could put roadblocks up. And, and I'll kind of refer to what I said earlier, that the company culture is going to be important. But if the company culture can um, even have the slightest door open to considering it, I think that that, that goes a long way for, for people who really are you know, driven and to move up. Uh, how I, I'm also interested because we're interested in research and and I'm just quite interested because in your um, from your job seekers you have some insight there into who they are if it's if it's more women or men and I'm interested do they do you ask them to give some information to you about why they are looking is it because they couldn't negotiate this at their previous job or is it because they may have some you know care responsibilities child care or elder care do you have uh, some data collection where you get some insight of, of why and and who who your your clients or who your job seekers are yes we do i mean and for all of those reasons i think that that's kind of part of the issue that um, i agree with you that people want and need work flexibility for a lot of different reasons and so um that is is pretty much what we see across the board that people do want it for a lot of different reasons um and we've asked a lot of questions well we we let's see um to give you kind of a, i guess an overview of some, some we run an annual survey every year asking a little bit why, about why and what types of flexible work they want um the the most common type of mm-hmm. flexible work that we hear it is that they do want telecommuting all of the time. Uh, the most recent survey we did said 79% of our job seekers were interested in that type of role. Uh-huh. Um, the next most popular was uh, having an alternative or a flexible schedule, and that was 47%. And then another 44%, so still almost about half, were open to telecommuting part of the time in a role. So being on site half of the time or, you know, some, some percentage of the time and telecommuting part of the time. And then another just slit, oh, actually right around the same amount as part-time, we're open to a part-time schedule. And then about 40% were freelance, wanted, were open to freelance work. So those were some of the types of flexibility they're looking for. And the number one reason they were looking for uh, work flexibility was work-life balance as an overall topic. And that was at 74%. And then under that, which is different than work-life balance, was family reasons. 
Um, and then under that, actually, which was interesting to us this year, was health and exercise. Um, probably health dominates that more than exercise, but uh -huh. for health issues and for taking care of themselves. And um, I thought that was a really interesting one. Um, and the next couple were time savings and reduced commute stress, um, cost savings, and then things like gas prices. Um, their local job market was uh, depressed or taking care of a family member um, and also a desire to travel. That's very interesting because some of the other, you know, studies we look at, it, it almost seems like that, especially for a certain generation, people are willing to trade off um, a higher salary to more flexibility and more control over their own time and their own activities that if they want to work out or prepare more healthy meals for them or their family or, you know, that, that is now seems to be... Um, one of the reasons why they made them go from a full-time job where they may have had a, a better salary package to something where they have more control. Yes, the, the, the most recent survey we did supported that as well. 20% um, of the respondents said they'd take a 10% pay cut. Um, so yes, we had some similar, similar responses. And in terms of... Um, uh, gender is this is this a women's thing is it is it something of, of new moms or do you see um, also more men who who would like to either spend time with their family or pursue an alternative career or pursue some hobbies or some sports it's across the board <clears throat> um, I, we see our audience is probably is slightly more female than male um, but we see plenty of men, um, either for fathers or for, you know, lifestyle reasons or for all of the same reasons, how, taking care of a loved one or their local decon economy is depressed and they need to find a job outside of the local economy and, and look for telecommuting work instead or freelance work. So there's, yes, um, it's, it's not just a female thing. Going back to the one million for work flexibility, which, can, is it a movement? Can we call it a movement <laughs> or an initiative? I would love to. And we call it an initiative probably internally, but yes. <laughs> what what is your ambition for it? Are you planning on some, you know, where where are you planning to go with it? And and what if you once reach 1 million? Um well, I'd say that, you know, first our goal is to inspire. Uh we want to inspire a million people to join us in virtually raising their hand and saying they they think simply they think work flexibility is a good idea. Um, and then from there, once they sign up and, and in other outreach, we want to educate. Uh, so we try to share important information on what's going on, kind of news and trends, uh, through our newsletter. Uh, we also offer a good number of webinars with, with industry leaders, thought leaders. Um, we have a great blog with lots of different information and features on either authors or thought leaders in the space or personal stories as well. Um, and, and then we also utilize social media, but we're, we're trying to essentially help to educate the different perspectives of work flexibility so that people realize it applies to them too. Um, and then from there, we want to, you know, try to lead and highlight real life ways that people can achieve more work flexibility in their own lives, as well as to help uh, share information on getting people involved if they're interested in getting involved in local and national events and that can go to legislation or petitions or other efforts supporting the advancement of, of flexible work options. Um, and, and at that level as well, and we're already starting, but working with leading experts and organizations to 
support moving it forward in kind of uh, a bigger scale. So that that certainly could be working. Um, you know, I think in kind of in my concept when I envision kind of a, down the line, what I'd love to be able to accomplish is having the if if there's an initiative going on in a local a localized spot, whether it's in a state or a country, being able to send that information out to everybody in that location and say, here, here's what's going on. Here are the different pieces of information tied to work flexibility. Here's how you can get involved. And, um, and that could possibly make, make changes on a, on a very large scale. So would you just like to um, maybe remind people of, of the website and where they can sign up? Sure. Um, it's workflexibility.org, and you can simply sign up on the on the homepage if you'd like to look at some additional information. There's a number of different areas. Uh, you could see the the leaders and co and people who are involved in the kind of initiative from the more uh, organizational standpoint um, under the Who We Are tab. And then we also talk a lot about you know kind of other things that we do and there's news and press coverage that we've been fortunate to receive uh, and then our blog i really encourage people to look at our blog it's um it, it's got some fantastic perspectives from all different types of people and uh it's incredibly well written and uh, yeah so workflexibility.org please sign up now i just wanted to ask you our last question that is the same last question we always ask our podcast guests is that if you could give one advice to a CEO, what would that be? Um, <laughs> good question. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing for me as a CEO is looking at my team as, uh, as each, of each individual person on my team as a full person. So what I mean by that is I don't look at them as a worker. I, work at the, I look at them as somebody who works for my company and who also has a life outside of the company. And all of those are, inter, that those are both intertwined. So I, I believe that supporting that person as much as possible from a holistic standpoint so that work and life don't constantly conflict and instead can be a little bit more fluid, um, I think that that's really important. And I think that from doing that, uh, I've gotten really incredibly productive, engaged, uh, loyal, and um, just fantastic, fantastic people on our team. It's really lent, lent itself, lent, allowed us to grow into, I mean, we have a fantastic company culture, and I think that that's part of it. That's great. Well, thank you so much. And um, do you also accept people from outside the U.S. to sign up, or is it just for uh, U.S.-based citizens to support One Million for Work Flexibility? So one million is open to anyone signing up. It is a little bit geared towards uh, it is geared a little bit towards America because of the um, the goal of getting legislation uh, yeah. to uh, advance. Um, obviously, Europe and other areas are so much more advanced when it comes to this stuff. So we're, we we but having said that, non-Americans are certainly welcome to sign up. Um, and then flex jobs is also international um, completely. So that is uh, an option. Okay, great. So everybody listening to this, go to the website and sign up and support this great initiative. And thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on our podcast and, and sharing such a great experience you have uh, from understanding how, how the system develops and how, what are the different new trends and especially what are the needs of, of job seekers. So thank you very much. 
Thank you. It's been my honor to be here and um, keep up the good work. I love what you're I love what you're doing. 